Um, this morning, as I was thinking about uh, membership, um, especially starting with, with these membership classes, I wanted to remind you all from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 to 11, um, of, of this point. Every member is a minister. Every member is a minister. And this is what I wanted to remind you of. These are things that we need to keep hearing. Sometimes we, we um, go through the membership class and then um, we become members and, 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 and we end up um, you know, uh, forgetting these things. So I just wanted to uh, put it before you. So let us go to First Peter chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 7 up until verse 11. This is a standalone sermon. Usually what we do as a church, we um, preach expository through books of the Bible. Um, today, um, we, we, last week we just finished um, uh, Malachi and uh, we, we still um, um, in, in, in uh, looking at uh, loose uh, sermons. Um, so First Peter chapter 4 verse 7 to, verse 7 to 11 and my reminder to you is that every member is a minister. Let us take this time and commit to the, to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, what a joy it is, it is indeed to uh, be reminded of your truth. We are a forgetful people. Uh, we are a people that uh, also becomes familiar um, with, with your word uh, to an extent that we uh, grow apathetic. We pray that you help us, O oh God, to see your living truth, to be animated by your truth, to love your truth, to walk in your truth. Glorify your name, O oh Father, as we hear your, your, your word this morning. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. According to Gary Chapman, there are five love languages. Words of affirmation, quality, time, physical touch, gifts, and acts of service. I think my wife's love language are all of these, all of the above, but her number one love language is acts of service. And it just so happens that I don't speak that language very well. Currently, there are a number of things around the house that need to get done and are not getting done. Um, or it's taking time for them to get done. And, and Kenzie, my wife, would love for me to, to do them. It, it would communicate to her how much I love her. But as a teacher and, and visionary, I'd rather talk about the most ideal ways those projects uh, could be done. All the while, the things that need to be done remain under. Those things communicate um, to her that they don't really matter to me uh, to do something about it. They, they, therefore, they, 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 they don't make a priority. Now, my question to you is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking you as my counselor right now. Is that okay? Is that, is that pretty selfish and self-focused? I think you know the answer, right? 
You, you know the answer. Now, when you are a member of a family, your focus should change. Our focus on one another is part of what it means to be family and part of what it means to love. I've shared this story not to incriminate myself. I do serve my wife in a number of ways, though I have a lot of room for growth. I share this story to illustrate a point here. If, if we are focused, if we are self-focused, instead of focused on one another, there will be problems in the family. How does this apply to the church? If we belong to the, to the family of God, one of the indicators will be a change of focus. We will focus less on ourselves and more on others. That's what it means to love one another in our families and in the family of God, the church. That's one of the indicators the indications that we are a people that are continually being shaped by the gospel. If you want to see the gospel in action, you'll see how the church people relate with one another. If you're single, it's okay to act single, right? But if you're married with children and act as though you are single, there's something wrong. In the church, none of us are merely individuals. We are a part of a family. If we act as though we are not, there's something wrong. A point I want to drive home this morning is that your service to one another is another way the gospel grows in us as we gather together, as we serve one another, this is one of the indications that the gospel grows deep in us. The sermon title, Every Member is a Minister, is designed to draw out the fact that as members in the family of God, we have a part to play. We have a part to play. Service is not just a command of the Bible. It is a tangible way that we are called to love one another. Service is a love language in the church family. If we focus on ourselves instead of focusing on one another, there will be problems in the church family. In the same way that there will be problems in our own families. So what should we focus on if not on ourselves? That's the main part of my sermon this morning, and we'll get to that. But before I do that, I want to take a brief detour. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter. What we see in 1 Peter is that self-focus not, self not only causes problems in the family, it also impacts our worship and our witness. Right? You look at 1 Peter chapter um, 2, verse 5, we are told that we are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In the household of God, our service to one another is like the service of a priest. A priest serves the people of God, yes? But... but they also offer their lives as, 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 as worship to God. 
that their work is for the glory of God and the good of God's people. We, we, we see this in, in the picture of Psalm 134. I will not go there for the sake of time, but I encourage you to read Psalm 134 in, in, on your own this week. We are called to serve in the same way as priests. As we serve one another in the household of God, it is for the good of God's people, but it, it is also for the glory of God. We are offering our lives as spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 2, verse 12, look at what it says. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Our conduct as members of the household of God not only impacts our members in the family, it impacts our witness to the world. As members of God's household, we don't belong to the world. We are sojourners and exiles. We are foreigners in this world. Our conduct should be worship to God and witness to the world. This conduct includes how we love and serve one another. There's much at stake as we think about loving one another in the church. The health of the church family is at stake. Our worship to God is at stake. Our witness to the world is at stake. Therefore, we must make this an urgent priority. We must earnestly love one another. How do we do this? We do this by focusing on something other than ourselves. In First Peter chapter four, we are told that we are told what to focus on. Let us look at that passage, shall we? First Peter chapter four, verse seven to eleven. I read from the ESV. Follow me as we hear God's word. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word. Now here's my sermon in a sentence. We must earnestly love one another in the church as an act of worship and witness. We must earnestly love one another in the church as an act of worship and witness. How do we earnestly love one another in the church? We need to change our focus, right? We need to be focused on something other than ourselves. So I'd like to, to look at three areas where we need to focus. First of all, the, glory, the goal of God. Secondly, the good of God's people. Thirdly, the glory of God. 
Let us look at the first one. We need to focus on the goal of God. Verse 7. The, the, the tone of this entire passage is informed by the first sentence. Listen to this. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. The word translated end here could be translated as well as goal. The end or goal of all things in First Peter carries with it hope and warning. The, the, the people Peter was writing to were suffering rejection from the world. As they sought to live lives of worship before God, they were being persecuted by the world that they were supposed to be witnesses to. And the temptation they faced is a temptation we all face, the temptation to fold, right? To jump ship. They were, tempted, they were tempted to begin uh, acting uh, like the world that was rejecting them. Instead of living lives of worship and witness to the world, I think we saw uh, this, this also in Malachi, didn't we? And so Peter reminds them to keep their eyes on the price, to remember the goal they are running to it. They, they are sojourners and exiles in a world that is not their home. But they have the hope of glory to look forward to. P Peter wants his readers to, to feel the weight of glory. Just as Jesus suffered and was rejected by men before he was raised to glory, and all who are followers of Jesus will follow him along the same path. Look at First Peter chapter 1, verse 3-5. to Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God's goal for those who are his people, is a glorious inheritance secured by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But, but God's goal for those who reject him is his people. And his people is judgment. Those who reject God, as we saw last week, right? Will, will, will receive coal. They, they, they will receive judgment before God. The, the, the risen Savior will return again to judge the living and the dead, as First Peter chapter four verse five says. The, the outcome of those who don't obey the gospel will will not be good, as First Peter chapter four verse seventeen indicates. At, at the beginning of the letter, Peter makes it clear that the suffering they are experiencing is to test the genuineness of their faith. When experiencing suffering, the temptation is to fold and begin living just like the world. It's easy that way, isn't it? But a failure to endure in the faith and remain faithful to the end indicates a lack of faith. Faith, by, defini by definition, perseveres. You know why it perseveres? Because faith is not in yourself. It is in Jesus Christ who never fails. 
if you were to put faith in your abilities and strength, you will realize how that will wane quickly. How that will die out quickly. Faith endures because it's in the one who never fails. Well, those who don't persevere show that they truly do not believe and will be judged as unbelievers. So the end of all things is at hand. There is hope in this statement and there is warning also in that statement. What should be done in light of those truths? Peter issues two commands here. He says, be self-controlled and sober-minded. These commands are also are almost uh, synonymous. They are essentially saying, get your head screwed on straight. Get serious. We need to have a serious-minded agency. We need to focus like a laser beam on our call to live lives of worship and witness. The, the, the key to focus, as the experts uh, on goal setting tell us, is to begin with the end in mind, right? To think about the end result. If we have the end in mind, the natural result will be to focus on what it takes to get to that goal. Does the church have a serious-minded, urgent focus? Do you have a serious-minded, urgent focus? In my experience, there are an increasing number of people who turn off their minds and who lack the ability to focus. Many feel it is their God-given right to just lays around. You know that that um, saying, let go and let God, that has destroyed a lot of Christians. But God is calling us to, to, to be serious-minded, to an urgent focus on our worship and our witness. The end of all things is at hand. Do you approach each day with this truth burning in your heart and and mind? Do do you feel the weight of glory and the warning of judgment in your soul? Do you really get how how high the stakes are here? Do do, do we have a serious-minded agency in our lives? Do, do, do we view everything we do in our lives to be about worship and about witness? If so, how will you know? Well, the text says that you have worn out knees. Those who have their focus on the end and have a serious-minded agency will pray. Verse 7, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of what? Your prayers. Your prayers. If we are really focused on worship and witness, that the weight of glory and the warning of judgment then will be on our knees because we live in a world that is threatening to undo us. We need God's help. 
We need God's help. Prayer is just an expression to God that you need his help. It's a declaration of dependence, that you are depending on him. In addition to our prayers, Peter says that there will be other things that mark a person who is focusing on the goal of God. As we focus on the goal of God, we will be focused on the good of God's people and the glory of God. Secondly, we need to focus on the good of God's people. We see this in verse 7 to verse 11a. Look at verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. This is really the heart of this passage and, and the heart of my sermon. As we live our lives as, as worship before God and witness to the world, one of the most important ways we keep our conduct honorable, according to Peter, is in the way we love one another. They will know that we are Christians by what? By, by the fact that we pray out loud? Will they know that we are Christians by the fact that I'm wearing a t-shirt that says I'm with Christ? They will know that we are Christians by our love for one another. Christ died for our sins. This is the ultimate display of love, isn't it? Therefore, those in the family of God ought to be marked by love for one another. Our love for one another, Peter says, covers a multitude of sins. When we love one another earnestly, it doesn't cover up sins and it doesn't atone for our sins. That's not what Peter is saying. Now, Peter has a different uh, thing in mind. Instead of sinning against one another, as the world does, we should love one another as Christ loves us. And this, it's a, according to Peter, it's a this and not that idea that is put forward. Earnest love requires an orientation toward one another. When we focus on ourselves and not on one another, that's sin. That's sin, isn't it? We, we, we live in a world that is self-centered that promotes self-centeredness self-focus I, I saw a video making rounds and Christians sharing it and I was wondering why why um, it's it's um, many of you might know not know uh, Snoop Dogg <laughs> he was receiving an award um, at uh, whatever uh, award show and then he started by saying I want to thank me and Christians are sharing that as if that is some kind of revelation the Bible calls us not to focus on ourselves that, that's why the church has a lot of problems because we are self-centered When we understand the concept of earnest love, 
we will see how our lives must be orientated, not our lives must not gravitate into serving our own needs and serving ourselves. It must gravitate into seeking the good of others. I think I, 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 I when we did a series, I, I forgot, maybe it was in Philippians, we um, saw that with uh, joy, right? The acronym joy. Jesus, others, yourself. That, that is the priority of a Christian. We need to be focused on the good of others. And that's love. But love for one another is not merely a sentiment. Love for one another will manifest in tangible ways. Paul lists two ways. And listen to me carefully. I know sometimes I sound like a broken record and I keep saying the same things. But this is the word of God. Love for one another is reflected in hospitality and service. Look at verse 9. Show, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. In the first century, it was necessary for Christians to show hospitality to other believers for various reasons. For, for one, they were, there were not many hotels at that time, right? So traveling Christians and, and missionaries needed to, a place to stay. And I remember how this was a thing in, in, when I was growing up in, in, in Soshangove, that missionaries and, 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 and Christians that are traveling and coming to, to share the gospel, they, they will be welcomed in our houses. Also, there, are no, there were no Christian, uh, I mean, church buildings generally. So people had to open their homes to, for, for worship services and, and fellowship. Although we live in a different time, in a different place, we still need to extend hospitality to one another. Because we are the household of God and it makes sense that we would welcome others in our homes for prayer, fellowship, and people in need. Uh, this is a concrete expression of mutual love. Open our houses. Serve others. We are living in a time, especially I think our context, uh, the the you know, middle-class Christianity. Middle-class Christianity focuses on building walls rather than building tables. We build walls to keep others away so that we can be by ourselves. The small tables for ourselves. Middle-class Christianity is a spit in the face of Jesus. It, it is not Christ-like. It is not honoring to Christ. I, 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 this is something I know a lot of people might be offended by, but I will not apologize for this because this is the word of God. As Christians, we are called to reflect Christ to one another. And one of the things that Christ has done 
is that when we were outsiders, when we were enemies of God, Christ came and he gave his life. Didn't he? He, he gave his life. He, he welcomed us, gave us new identities, made us children of God, placed us on a table that we did not deserve to be in. One of the ways we are going to reflect Christ to one another in this world, in the here and the now, is through hospitality. Middle class Christianity is dishonorable before God. That is for the good of believers. But I'm also convinced that when outsiders see genuine hospitality among believers, it helps them to grasp something about the love of God. It is honorable conduct and witness to the world. Uh, people are longing in this world for, for genuine community and fellowship and relationships. And that they, they, they rarely see this. That the church should be a light in this area. I mean, think about it. We, we live in a divided world. Divided across many spectrums. Right? Divided across, uh, uh, across economics, across philosophy, uh, uh, across uh, skin color, and so on and so forth. When the church of Christ, made up of a multitude of nations, really show each other hospitality and love, the world will be amazed. They will see the gospel at work. Let us show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Isn't that what the Bible says? And that the phrase here is critical. We were given a heart check here. While love for one another is tangible, not merely a sentiment, it must also come from the heart. If we are self-focused, we will grumble when we host others. But when we are focused on the good of one another, that the natural overflow will be to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. The, the, the second tangible way we, we love one another in this passage is by serving. By serving them. Look at verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God, as good stewards of God's varied grace. One of the points First Peter is driving home is that we are family. We are connected as one body. But we are also individuals in the body as, and, and we have each received a spiritual gift that is to be used to serve one another in the body. As I said earlier, we all have a part to play in this family. God is the one who builds his church. Chapter 2 verse 5 says we are being built as a spiritual house. But God uses each of us in the building process. Therefore, he, he gave each of us gifts and tools to be used in building his, his house. It is important to note that our gifts are grace gifts. They, they, they come from God, not us, and they are to be used for God's purpose. Verse 10 tells us that we are to use them as good stewards. To steward something is to use something that doesn't belong to us in a way that brings honor uh, to the one to whom it belongs. 
The, the word steward in this verse is generally used for those who have management responsibilities in a house or an estate. In our example, it is God's house that we are called to be responsible stewards. Do we view our service in Christ church as a responsibility that we have, or do we view it as something optional for you if you have time and interest? We need one another in the body of Christ. God delights not only to build this church, but to use this church to do the building. You have tools that have been given by God. God wants to use them in building his church. God wants you to be a good steward of his varied grace. In the church, we, we've all been given tools for building up the body of Christ. When, 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 when those tools are not here and not being used, it holds up the work, doesn't it? Think about it. If we were, uh, you know, building a building, and someone is not coming with uh, something that is critical for the building, and they are staying at home and watching television, and we are waiting for them, it's holding up the work, doesn't it? We need to make sure that we are present with our tools and ready and able to use them. This is what it means to steward our gifts in the church, and 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 service, as I said, is a love language. I love, I love Peter's spiritual gift list because it's, it's the simplest in the New Testament. Look at the verse. He's actually using categories instead of lists. Speaking gifts and general serving gifts. Whoever speaks, he says, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves and one, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. If you were to, to look at a list of spiritual gifts in Romans 12, for example, you would, you would find that all the gifts listed there fit into one of these two categories prophecy, teaching, and exhortation are all speaking gifts. The, the gifts of helps, giving, leadership, and mercy are all general service gifts. You, you could do the same thing with Paul's list here in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's important to know what your gifts are. Um, there, there's a lot of people that do what we call spiritual gifts inventories, right? I have a list and then you take, I'm good at this, I'm good at that. And I'm not a big fan of spiritual gifts inventories, right? In my, in my experience, the, the best way to figure out what your gifts are is to simply start serving. Start serving. It is not used. It is not used to to going on the internet and and finding lists and 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 and, 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 and things that will tell you what your gifts are. Serve, serve in real time. We we normally don't know our spiritual gifts until we serve. As you make yourself available for serving, you'll eventually find out what you're good at and what you're passionate about. But the important thing that in First Peter, listen to this, is not what our gifts are that is important or where you use them. The important thing is the people you serve. Right? That's the emphasis. The emphasis is building up. First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 12. 
the emphasis is, is serving one another. First Peter. The, the, the focus needs to be on the good of God's people. It's all, a, it's all about earnestly loving one another. We see this clearly in 1 Corinthians. After talking about spiritual gifts in, in chapter 12, Paul takes a whole chapter to talk about love. He says that if we use our gifts in a mighty way, especially speaking gifts, but do not have love, uh, uh, then we are nothing but a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And nothing is gained by using our gifts without love, right? There's a danger in each of us to take pride in our gifts and to use them to boast our ego instead of uh, to, to, to build the church. But when this happens, we completely miss the point of why gifts are given. Remember, self-focus will cause problems in the family. Even if, it's, if it is focusing on gifts God has given us to, to use in the family of God. We need to be focused on the goal of God and the good of God's people, not our gifts. And this perspective will help us earnestly love one another. And there's another thing we need to be focused on if we are to love the church earnestly, especially as it relates to using our gifts in the church. Thirdly and lastly, we need to focus on the glory of God. We need to focus on the glory of God. Look at again, verse 11. It says, whoever speaks as Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Because God is the one who gives the gifts. God is the one who gets the glory. We need to focus on the glory of God, not our own glory. That the speaking gifts are not only given by God, but those who build up the household of God by speaking, do so by speaking the very words of God. Yes, God uses his people to speak the word, but God's word does the work, doesn't it? So when that happens, the one who speaks doesn't get the glory. Right? I don't need you to carry me on your shoulders, taking me outside, uh, clapping hands for me. Because that, it's not about me, is it? It's about God. So when that happens, the one, who doesn't, the one who speaks doesn't get the glory. God gets the glory. And the gifts of service are no different. God gives the strength to perform the service. Therefore, God gives, gets the glory. And God gets the glory through Jesus Christ. The best way to get our focus off of ourselves and on the glory of God is to focus on Jesus Christ. While it is difficult to live our lives of, of worship and witness in the world that reject us, we must remember that Christ was also rejected by men. But he didn't fold under pressure. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. His life, death, resurrection, and ascension are the most glorious events in all of history. First Peter chapter 4, verse 11, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. The, the Son of God didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his la- life as a ransom for many. He demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because of his costly love and sacrificial service, we have hope of glory to look forward to through faith. And because of his example, we understand how to love one another in the family of God. The main thing in this passage, as I said, is to love one another earnestly as an act of worship and witness. In order to do that, we can't focus on ourselves. 
We need to focus on the goal of God. The weight of glory and the warning of judgment should cause us to have a serious-minded agency. We need to focus on the good of God's people. When we truly love one another, it will lead us to show sincere hospitality and to serve one another as responsible stewards. Amen? Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, your word is true. Your word is faithful. Your word convicts. Your word exhorts and corrects. May it have a place of authority in our lives that when it speaks, we listen and we obey. Thank you for Jesus Christ who has come to die in our place. Open the door to the kingdom of God. Thank you that we are part of your kingdom. And as kingdom citizens, we pray that you help us to serve one another, to show one another hospitality, to present an act of worship before you and witness to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.